0: The People's Constitution, The Path to Empowerment of Australians in a 21st Century Democracy by Bronwyn Kelly. Read by Bronwyn Kelly. Chapter 5, Part 10. Indigenous Recognition in a New Preamble. Readers will note that the above-suggested starting draft of a statement of Australian values in a preamble to a people's constitution contains a statement that Australians value First Nations, and in particular, that value is placed on their recognition, their rightful place at the heart of the nation, their culture and heritage, truth-telling, makarata, reconciliation, just treaty, the coexistence of sovereignties and the equal right of Aborigines and Torres Strait Islanders alongside all other Australians to their own people's voice in the Constitution. Inclusion of these values in the starting draft preamble is intended to ensure that Indigenous people can visibly take their rightful place, together with all Australians, at the centre of our constitution and the Commonwealth it creates. Such a prominent space in the preamble is necessary for full constitutional recognition of peoples and nations Indigenous to Australia. The fuller form of words in recognition of First Nations people is necessary partly because the first draft of wording proposed in 2022 by the Albanese government for an amendment to the constitution enshrining an indigenous voice was quite suitable for purposes of establishing a good constitutional basis for an indigenous voice, but it was in all probability too scant to constitute recognition itself. The proposed wording on the principle of the indigenous voice in the constitution was, quote, There shall be a body to be called the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Voice. The Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Voice may make representations to Parliament and the Executive Government on matters relating to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. The Parliament shall, subject to this constitution, have power to make laws with respect to the composition, functions, powers and procedures of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Voice." This form of wording for the Indigenous voice referendum also did not offer Australians the option to affirm that they value reconciliation and the Indigenous call for a fair and truthful relationship with the people of Australia and a better future for our children based on justice and self determination. The opportunity to make that broader sort of affirmation should at some point in the future become the core statement by which Australians formally accept in full the invitation in the Uluru Statement from the heart and at last assure First Nations of their rightful place in the Commonwealth of Australia as people entitled on an equal basis with all Australians to political, civil, economic, social and cultural rights. Additionally, if it states that reconciliation is the constitutionally affirmed intention, it should also create the basis for a truly just treaty with First Nations, a truthful relationship and a stable coexistence of sovereignties. All these things have been called for in the Uluru Statement, and on its election in 2022, the Albanese government committed to implementing this in full. Notwithstanding this commitment, Australia's constitution currently provides no basis for a treaty or truth-telling. A preambular statement providing a constitutional basis for these is therefore essential, but a number of other changes in the terms of enshrined human rights and removal of clauses permitting racism will also be required if the invitation from Uluru is to be implemented in full. Chapters 6, 7 and 8 set out how, one, a people's constitution can be structured to provide the clear terms for the validity of an Indigenous voice on a permanent basis. Two, how an enduring, just treaty can be established with First Nations. And three, how a coexistence of sovereignties can be made a reality in such a way as to enable all Australians to take rightful and empowering roles in building a better future together. Chapter 5 Part 11. Evolution of Australian Values The above-starting draft of an Australian values statement has been derived by reviews of research on public opinion and by comparing and contrasting the values expressed by Australians in that research with entirely different value sets, that is, by imagining the type of society we might build if we reversed these apparently preferred values. Throughout the 21st century, it would seem that the values of everyday Australians have not changed all that much in terms of our preference for living in a democratic, free, open, multicultural, caring society and in a peaceful world. But they have changed in some key respects. Notable changes include that we value religion less and the natural environment more, the planet and species diversity more, Indigenous well-being and rights more, human rights more, women and gender diverse people more, and nationalism less. These perceptible changes have all been brought to bear on the development of the suggested starting draft of a statement of Australian values, and this has produced a statement that, in its initial form, is quite different to the last preamble we were asked to consider, the one finalised by john howard for the 1999 referendum on the republic which stated quote, "with hope in god the commonwealth of australia is constituted as a democracy with a federal system of government to serve the common good we the australian people commit ourselves to this constitution proud that our national unity has been forged by Australians from many ancestries, never forgetting the sacrifices of all who defended our country and our liberty in time of war, upholding freedom, tolerance, individual dignity and the rule of law, honouring Aborigines and Torres Strait Islanders, the nation's first people, for their deep kinship with their lands and for their ancient and continuing cultures, which enrich the life of our country recognising the nation-building contribution of generations of immigrants, mindful of our responsibility to protect our unique natural environment, supportive of achievement as well as equal opportunity for all, and valuing independence as dearly as the national spirit which binds us together in both adversity and success. This preamble was distinctly narrower in its range and in the character we might aspire to as a modern nation. The possibility of that wider character was not on offer in the Howard preamble. Instead, the character on offer was more insular and less outward-looking than would be necessary for any nation attempting to build resilience sufficient to prevent or soften the impacts of externally generated crises— It was more tied up with the values of mateship in war rather than prevention of war, and most notably silent on promotion of peace. It was more focused on social conformity achieved through tolerance and conformance to the rule of law, no matter how unjust, racist or discriminatory, rather than a multicultural harmony, appreciation of diversity and expansion of the mind. It was completely silent on the right of the people to participate in the design of laws. It was somewhat respectful to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history and culture, but silent on, and therefore dismissive of, anything more in terms of the wrongs done to them and silent on recognition of their prior possession of the continent, let alone the sovereignty that that implies. It was clear, some would say patronising, in recognising the necessity of generations of immigrants, to nation-building, but silent on the value of diversity itself. It was more focused on individual rather than collective achievement, silent on the benevolence and compassion that modern Australians are likely to prefer, silent on the value of ethics in governance, shallow in reference to environmental protection, and silent on any value conducive to prevention of climate change. It was more assertive of a central place for God in our governance than is likely to be preferred by a nation used to humanistic frameworks for decision-making and rejecting theocratic models of governance. And finally, it was most notably silent on the place of the Australian people in their own governance as the rightful authority on the sovereign will. These are just a few of the glaring differences between the Howard Preamble and the suite of values that Australians might choose from in the 2020s, but it will be useful for Australians to consider these differences as they move towards development of a new statement of Australian values. Chapter 5, Part 12, Engaging Australians to Confirm Their Values In the intervening years since the Howard preamble was rejected by Australians, the Department of Home Affairs has moved in and attempted to fill the vacuum created by that rejection. In the attempt, it created an even narrower version of Australian values than the Howard preamble, a version which clearly does not reflect what Australians say they value. This is the inevitable result of allowing governments to determine what the people value instead of the people themselves. In Australia, governments are essentially political parties, and therefore their values are designed based purely on their ideological preferences, which they then foist on everyone if they can. These preferences are essentially narrow and designedly divisive of populations. More to the point, governments have displayed a very poor track record of designing value statements that actually reflect what Australians value. In the case of the Home Affairs Statement, the governments that may purport to endorse it are simply out of step with the broadly based values of 21st century Australians, especially the younger ones who will be required to do the vast amount of heavy lifting necessary to build a nation which supports the well-being and security of all generations. The fact is that the true will of the people cannot be handed down by a government from above. A sovereign people's will cannot be narrowed down to the will a government is prepared to let them have. It has to be the other way around. A sovereign people's will, expressed in their statement of what they value, has to be the one that the people are prepared to let governments swear allegiance to and swear it in accordance with the terms of trust on which the people hand over power. Power. Those terms of trust are inherent in the Statement of Australian Values, howsoever it may eventually be worded, but they are also necessarily qualified throughout the Constitution as and when the people see fit. In short, if the people are sovereign, then the will of the nation must be theirs to determine in its entirety, unobstructed by politics and ideology. In recognition of that, Any constitutional convention that may happen to be established for the purpose of developing a new statement of Australian values should ideally be people-driven, no politicians. This is, after all, the people's constitution, so the people need to be given space to lead the development of their own statement of values without having to start from or be infected by an ideological base. And ultimately the decision on the final composition of values should be exclusively theirs, not the Parliament's and certainly not the Executive Government's. This implies the need for a type of citizens' assembly and decision process that has not been attempted in Australia before, a special, but probably not permanent, National Assembly whose inception does not require the permission of the Parliament and whose recommendations, about national values at least, do not require the imprimatur of the parliament in order to be put to the people in a referendum. In this sense, parliaments must acknowledge that for the purposes of constituting a people's sovereign nation, they must vacate their current position of power temporarily before they can get it back again. Otherwise, power cannot be newly enshrined in a form consistent with the people's will as sovereign. Unless the parliament can stand aside to allow the people to freely deliberate on their preferred constitution, we would be likely to end up with a situation where power would be merely reinstalled in its current form, just as John Howard sought to do. A form where the unitary parliament is still inordinately and exclusively powerful. It would be likely to reinstall the Hobbesian state with all the exclusions and powerlessness it implies for the subjects of that sovereign state. In that event, self-government and self-determination would once again be absent. In effect, a people's constitution requires a genuinely humble parliament that from the outset acknowledges that the people are best placed to decide what is truly in their interests and that they must be taken at their word. Humility is, of course, not something to which politicians are accustomed, even though some may profess that they are the servants of the people. So if such a Citizens' Assembly or a Constitutional Convention on Australian Values is enabled at all, it is likely to be infected, at some point or other, by the flawed and grimy world of day-to-day partisan politics, as Mark McKenna described it. Nevertheless, if politicians, grimy or not, are involved somehow in the process, through permission of the people or without it, it is imperative that their ideologically driven conflicts of interest and partiality are safely contained by procedure, by insistence on complete disclosure and openness, and by selection of a steering committee and presiding convener from outside the numbers of the elected. Notably, There is nothing in the current constitution that prevents the spontaneous formation of either a Citizens' Assembly or Constitutional Convention by the people. We can do this with or without the Parliament's permission. The Parliament can, of course, then refuse to accept the recommendations of the Assembly or Convention, but if it is popular, both in its establishment and its outcomes, it would be a brave Parliament that would refuse its recommendations. If an assembly or convention is to be deemed popular, the selection process for delegates might best be designed as an open registration of interest process and then selection by sortition. Additionally, multiple forums of whatever vehicle is chosen, be it called a citizen's assembly or convention, call it what you will, they're basically the same thing, should be held in all states and territories and in this regard there are excellent community engagement models already in existence for large-scale national citizens assemblies of this kind. The process completed by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities for development of the Uluru Statement from the Heart stands as a world-class benchmark in the sort of community engagement needed here. Another example of a successful model was the engagement program undertaken for the introduction of the Victorian Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities Act 2006. Features of these best practice approaches could be combined to embed the process of collaborative formation of a people's constitution and the resultant constitution itself in the Australian people's hearts. This does not mean that All aspects of this entirely new constitution need to be made by the people in this popular assembly. As a beginning, the focus of the popular assembly could be on designing the Statement of Australian Values. This, in turn, could be used as a basis by constitutional experts for guidance on design of other parts of the new constitution. Everything in the broader constitution should be designed to give effect to the people's will as expressed in the Statement of Australian Values they have designed – Inherently, this means the values must be comprehensively expressed in terms that are useful for justiciable purposes but without legalistic language. Humanistic language evocative of heartfelt aspiration is required to ensure Australians connect with the values. A second round and or successive rounds of popular assemblies could then be conducted to check whether Australians concur that the entire constitution reflects their will and has the maximum capacity to help them build the future they genuinely wish to share. I will elaborate further on options for this in Chapter 9. Regardless of how community engagement for development of a people's constitution might be organised – the essential thing in the process at the very beginning is to ensure the values in the preamble encapsulate the sovereign will of the nation. If Australians can assemble those values freely and without ideological precepts or restrictions, it is highly likely that a value statement will emerge that speaks truth to power and clarifies the purpose of power. Sitting alongside two other essential additions to the Constitution that I will discuss in chapters 6 and 7, the Statement of Values forms the core of the terms of trust on which power can be safely handed over to the elected. It thereby creates a basis for the enduring stability of the nation because it enables the elected thereafter to assess whether their ideologies and policies accord with the will of the people, as they should if they are seeking election, to represent that will. As it is currently structured, Australia's constitution is designed exclusively to override the will of the people, whatever it may be. Their voice is deliberately excluded. But this can be easily overcome, and once this statement of values is established, other essential elements of a people's constitution will fall into place. Those other essential elements are the subject of the next chapter's.